We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. The Timberwolves are 2-0. They win Saturday night, 96-89 over the Pelicans. It was not in as decisive a fashion as the Houston win, nor was it really all that that dominant. Uh, as D'Angelo Russell, he, he put it after the game, he said, good, bad, ugly, we got it done. So on tonight's pod, we'll get into what did get done and the things that are we're seeing that are definitely still sort of a, a work in progress for this team. I, I don't want to start on a sour note because, you know, it, it was a win. But the thing, as I'm sitting here figuring out what to talk about, the thing that's that really strikes me from that game as you know something that thing, seems very relevant going forward was the fact that Carl Anthony Towns fouled out tonight. And, you know, that kind of brings up ghosts of past seasons where his foul trouble has been, a, a, you know, a real problem. But to spin it positive at first, Cat uh, has looked he's looked pretty awesome in these first two games. I think we're seeing the quality of player Cat was two seasons ago when he started out insane, and the you know the Wolves started the year three and zero that year, and they got all the way to ten and eight before he got hurt. I do think Cat is back to that pre-injury, pre-COVID version of himself. I mean, he's. Playing a little bit different. Finch is using him differently than Saunders did that season, but Cat is again a dominant offensive center. It, it's not it, it's not the 10 threes a game version of Cat, but it, it's a dominant offensive center who is picking and choosing his spots, starting on the interior, and then kind of working his way back out to the perimeter. I think while it's encouraging, you know, that Injury is no longer standing in his way. COVID is no longer standing as in his way of being that player. The propensity to foul, specifically offensively foul, it is kind of triggering. It, it gets in the way. It got in the way tonight. It has gotten in the way for the past for Cat. You know, this has been this has been a problem for a long time. Cat now has nine fouls through the these first two games of the season, and five of those nine fouls have been on the offensive end. You know, unfortunately. That heavy volume of fouls coming on the offensive end is a is a trend. Last season, Cat had 26.9% of his fouls come on the offensive end. If you compare that to the other best centers in the league, 
Joel Embiid had 17.9%, which is 10% lower than Katz. Rudy Gobert was 16.6. Nikola Vucevic was 10.9. And Nikola Jokic was just 8.3%. That's a huge difference. And Chris Finch, I guess, kind of justified it in a way after the game when he said, quote, it seems like Cat gets more offensive fouls than any other star in the league. Well, I mean, technically, yes, that's that's true. The implication Finch is making there, though, obviously, is, is that he doesn't get a whistle that is representative of the quality of player that he is. The way I, I put it to Carl after the game in my question was that, you know, the refs, the whistle, that part of it is uncontrollable. And, and my question really is, you know, how much of those percentages being so high, the, the volume of these offensive fouls, how much how much of that is his fault? And And to that end, you know, what can Carl do to change that? And here's what Carl had to say when I asked him that. Coach Finch said that it, it seems like if you get called for more offensive fouls than any other star player in the league, that's obviously the uncontrollable part for you, right? Is What is what part of that can you control? Um, I think for me, I'm, I'm going to keep playing physical. I didn't put all this muscle on for no reason. So I'm going to keep being physical. I'm going to keep playing my game. I'm going to keep demanding attention from every defense and um, let the game play out. You know, uh, we have such talented offensive players as well. I think for me, um, just maybe get in a better position, maybe do a little more where I don't have to fight so much. And um, and secondly, I think just uh, keeping the same mentality, you know, there's 82 games in the season. You're going to have games like this where it happens. Um, and, you know, it, it, it makes you have to make a choice to either change your game all around to, you know, after one game, critique it way too much, or you stay to your identity and your and the culture you're building, um, and, and keep playing, keep playing the game. I'm gonna keep going out there, getting my teammates open with hard screens. I'm gonna keep uh, being physical in the post. I'm gonna keep using the muscle I've, I've garnered throughout this off season. Uh, I'm not gonna let all the work I put in this off season be thrown to waste because of one game fouling out. I'm not, I'm not, not gonna do that. That that would be asinine. So that answer is pretty to the point, right? He's he's not gonna change the way he plays and. I hope it, that's not what I'm suggesting. It, it would be asinine to completely change the way he plays. But I, I do think the part of his answer where he talked about needing to adjust his positioning, you know, that that was interesting, right? That maybe that's a way where he can cut out an offensive follow game. I, I think about it a lot. It always kind of has bothered me how when Cat does post up, he kind of gets pushed out to 16, 17 feet, even if it's a smaller guy on him. He'll just kind of let them push him out to the mid-range in a post-up situation. And I think in Cat's head, kind of makes sense to him because he's, or he justifies it because he is such a good shooter that he doesn't really mind being pushed out a bit, right? He just figures, well, all right, like I can I can still catch it and square up here and hit this mid-range shot in your face if, if you're going to give it to me. But the problem comes when the fouling problems come when he catches it at that 17 feet and he's in a post-up position. He doesn't have the mid-range shot to take. He then needs to work to get that space back, right? And that's that's your classic post-up. You're backing down the defender. And that in that banging, that's where he gets called for offensive fouls a lot. That's where he got his sixth foul tonight. Obviously, that foul didn't cost them the game. They got it done, but it got close. And, you know, the Pelicans hit a couple more shots down the stretch. D'Lo doesn't bank in that three with 40 seconds left. Then, I mean, we're looking at that foul by Cat and his fouling out as the reason they lost this game. 
the margin of error for this team is just it's it's going to be smaller once they get through these three easyish games against Houston and New Orleans. They're going to need Cat to play 35 minutes against Milwaukee in the fourth game and against the Nuggets in the next game. I, I do think Cat making adjustments that limit his offensive fouling is you know big picture. I just I just think it's critical. Outside of Cat, the other player tonight who popped, especially in the first half, was Patrick Beverly. Man, he he made his season debut tonight, and he's just gonna be fun. He's he's a he's a fun player to watch, and and is just obviously so helpful to this defensive team. But just as a, I think watching, he he's hilarious. But Beverly has this. I don't know. Some of you might have seen that I, I I tweeted this before the game, but Beverly has this little pregame routine where after the national anthem he. He does this whole like pound his chest and scream sort of thing. And then he he puts his hands together like a gun screams like bop, 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 like shooting at the bench. I don't really know what that's all about. And then he gets to the bench and he goes and he prays for like 30 seconds. But tonight, between like him walking back from his national anthem spot to the bench after he did his little gun thing, like Glenn Taylor just happened to be standing right there, the Timberwolves owner. And Beverly, as he was moving towards the bench, just smacked Glenn like real hard on the butt. And it was Glenn was so 82 year old Glenn was just so shocked by it. And Beverly didn't even say anything. He just immediately went to the bench, put his head down and prayed. Patrick Beverly just lives in his own his own little world. And it's it's great. We we saw tonight, though, as a player, how, you know, he's he's going to be really helpful to what this team needs. The Wolves, again, they went with the same starting lineup tonight. Russell, Edwards, McDaniels, Okogie, and Towns. But this game, with Beverly active, um, he was the first sub into the game uh, for D'Lo. And really, after D'Lo was kind of struggling to contain Devontae Graham in pick-and-roll actions with Jonas Valanciunas in those first seven minutes of the game, that just completely changed once Beverly came in. Very first possession, he ripped Graham and... You know, he turned it into a, you know, turned it into a fast break the other way. But even when he's not getting the steals, you know, Beverly, we talk about this a lot, right? That defense isn't just the steals or the blocks, those sort of things. Like it's about containment. It's about limiting. And and Beverly is just elite at that. Um, he's obviously a pest, but he can control the point of attack. And that changes everything for this defense. Such a big reason why Cat has struggled defensively over the course of his career is because he hasn't had somebody defending the point of attack like Patrick Beverly. I mean, it's been the, you know, the Tyus Joneses, the Shabazz Napiers, the Jared Bayless's guys like that. And Beverly is a completely different defensive weapon when, cause he does get those steals too. He does contain it. He had, he, he had three offensive fouls tonight in the first, his first 15 minutes on the floor. He drew three offensive fouls in his first 15 minutes on the floor, which is just wild. And I think it's really encouraging you know, to to see that I, I just have kind of had this like lingering concern that Beverly, you know, he's getting older that, you know, who knows? Sometimes when a guy's like in their mid thirties, they they start to fall off a little bit. And I, I know it's only one game, but Patrick Beverly being a defensive weapon seems to be still be a very um, real thing. I, I think Beverly is the plug and play veteran that we we all hoped it would be. All right, we're going to take a quick break here and come back to talk about a few other things that stood out to me in this one. 
Today's show is brought to you by TickPick. Minnesota Timberwolves basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Wolves tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NBA tickets. If you can find better prices for the same seats on any other ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. I heard from a handful of fans who use TickPick to purchase their tickets to the Wolves opener after hearing about it on the pod, and they found the experience to be both easier and more affordable than previous ticket sites they had been using. The Wolves do play seven of their first eight games at Target Center, and TickPick has you covered for all of those games. It was a blast to see fans at the opener matching the Wolves' energy on the floor on Wednesday night, and I look forward to more of that to come. Again, visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today, to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back talking about what went right, what went wrong in the Timberwolves' 96-89 win over the New Orleans Pelicans. And it's pretty simple as the quarters. Like, the third quarter went wrong and the fourth quarter went right. That third quarter was the first time we started to feel some of the awkwardness of this unbalanced roster. This roster that lacks some size and doesn't always balance well between offense and defense. That was the one quarter of the 
eight quarters they've now played that this team has played where their, their talent didn't just make up for that awkwardness, those imbalances. This roster is small and has a lot of one-way players on it. We know that. We just hadn't really felt it tonight, and we, we, we hadn't felt it thus far this season. But the third quarter, you really did. It got awkward. To some extent, I really do think the top-end talent of this roster will often make up for that imbalance. Like Kat, Anth, and Thilo, they can be that. We They paper over so many issues. But tonight, in this game specifically, D'Lo didn't have it going. He wasn't able to bring that high-end talent. And when he isn't bringing that talent, it, it really does exacerbate the other kind of jagged parts of the four surrounding sort of role players that, you know, make up the rest of the roster. And again, that's something they won't be able to afford when they play Milwaukee and Denver next week. That talent, however, though, it it did come back in the fourth quarter. Like Carl Anthony Towns checked in to start the fourth quarter, fourth quarter. So boom, talent infusion, but also Jordan McLaughlin. I mean, he he came in and J-Mac was huge. He was, Jordan McLaughlin was the out of nowhere talent tonight. And you just felt it. You felt it as soon as he got in the game. So Jordan McLaughlin is tonight's Forgotten Star of the game, brought to you by Forgotten Star Brewery. Uh, J-Mac didn't play at all during the first three quarters of the game. And then Finch brought him in for D'Lo to start the fourth quarter. And then J-Mac played the entire quarter. I don't know, the, the stats don't pop. Six points, couple steals. But if you watch the game, you saw it, you felt it. Like, Jordan McLaughlin, being a point guard, he puts an energy into the team through the way he just sort of operates under control, but, like, with a pace about him. I'm really just interested to see what happens with J-Mac. Ultimately, he's the, you know, he's the third point guard on this team behind D'Lo and Beverly. And... So, I mean, normally on, on most teams, you don't really get to the third point guard unless there's foul trouble or injury or something like that. But Finch said at practice on Friday, and again, when we asked about a pregame, uh, he, he said that McLaughlin's going to play and that the Wolves are going to go 11 deep in the rotation. And 11 deep is deep. I do think McLaughlin deserves to play. Like tonight, obviously, suggested that as well. But if they're going to go 11, there's only so many minutes. Like somebody's going to get pinched. And that pinch tonight was Malik Beasley. Well, the person who felt the pinch was Malik Beasley. Because with J-Mac playing the whole fourth, then when D'Lo had to come back in, right, he's got to come in for the other guard, and it was Beasley. Beasley clearly wasn't happy about it on the bench. He only played 18 total minutes tonight. Because they went, you know, 11 deep. I mean, nobody on the bench played all that much. I mean, Beverly was the highest on the team in bench minutes at 21. There's just only so many backcourt minutes to go around. We know Ant is going to play his 35 minutes. D'Lo's going to be close to that. Beverly's the sixth man. So even just 12 minutes a night for J-Mac is going to mean Beasley probably gets buried a little. And it seems like Finch's reasoning there is that it's just going to, you know, need to be okay. And I, and I think it can be okay. Like, you know, knock on wood with injuries, like people are going to, somebody's going to hurt, hit, get hurt eventually. And, you know, they'll, they'll make it work. They'll, They'll slide Beasley up to the three or something if they if they need that. But for the time being, while they are healthy, it is a pinch. Either way, McLaughlin deserves a lot of credit for what he brought in the fourth quarter tonight. And that makes him tonight's Forgotten Star of the game. You can check out Forgotten Star Brewery. That's where we did the live show this summer. It's in Fridley. And you can get a dollar off a beer if you tell them Dane Moore sent you. Um, yes. So please go get some beers from Forgotten Star Brewery so they keep sponsoring the pot. A couple other notes I want to just sort of rip through here from the game. Um, 
I think we could do by, I, as I said, you guys on the, the last pod, um, I'm, I'm doing these daily fantasy picks with prize picks this year. And they're kind of a, a an easy way to kind of rip through some of the notes. And I think one person to just start with is Jaden McDaniels. I feel like we haven't talked about him much recently. He's classic, quiet, <laughs> quiet fourth, fifth starter on this team. I mean, well, one, he's a starter. Remember how this summer we were like, oh, is Jane McDaniels going to like start for this team? Well, clearly he's in the core four of the starting lineup. Like if there's going to be changes to the starting lineup, it's the Akogi spot. And, you know, McDaniels has really settled back into that low usage role we saw we, we that we saw him get used to last season. It really is a nice archetype for a player. I mean, obviously, defensively, it's a nice archetype for a player to put next to Cat, Ant, and D'Lo, but you kind of have to have your fourth and fifth guys be low usage guys if they're going to be playing next to Cat, Ant, and D'Lo. So I was kind of tonight with prize picks betting on McDaniels, you know, having a little bit bigger of a game. His over-under was just seven and a half points scored and only four rebounds. I was like, those are those are low numbers, you know, low usage guy, whatever. But as I tweeted before the game, I thought over four rebounds for McDaniels was a lock. I mean, we know this team needs Jaden McDaniels to rebound. And, and you know, and tonight he did. After having only four, rebound, four rebounds in the opener, he had six tonight, which was somehow the second most in the entire starting lineup. Anthony Edwards led the team in rebounding tonight with nine. I thought that was kind of crazy. I did miss on the over of seven and a half points for McDaniels. He only scored four tonight. He was two of five from two, zero of two from three. It really just is a small offensive role. And I think I think the key for McDaniels we're going to see this season for him to even be scoring like 10 points a game, it's just going to completely come down to his three-point shooting. And you know, he shot 36% last year. I'm pretty sure that was the number. Um, it is a bit of an open question of like how much of a knockdown three-point shooter McDaniels is and it you know it hasn't looked all that clean thus far he's only taken three threes through two games but he's missed all three I just you know I think the hope is that he's able to sort of start to catch a rhythm have a little bit of a breakout game here probably start that you know just by hitting one or two or you know three threes and a half and I think that'll that'll kind of open him up a little bit but that is really his offensive role they don't they don't ask much for him offensively other than you know, spotting up and and making those shots when, when he, you know, when he gets them on the swing. Another pick I had tonight was over 4.5 rebounds for Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And Alexander-Walker had 14 rebounds. So I got that one right. Um, but the the reason, I, I was thinking about this before the game, the reason I thought to pick this one was because of the Wolves' defensive scheme. And we've seen this scrambling nature of Finch's defensive scheme, which is obviously very different than it was under Saunders, very different than it was under Thibodeau. And it's fun. You know, this, this scramble leads to a, you know, a ton of turnovers generated. The Wolves literally set the franchise record tonight with 30 turnovers generated, which is, which is great. However, you know, this scheme is susceptible to guards coming in for offensive rebound. Like, that's just what scrambling does. And, you know, with Alexander Walker's over-under only at four and a, four and a half, I, I thought that was pretty juicy. And it was very juicy for, well, for them. I, I am overall pretty concerned about this team's ability to defensively rebound. Um, you know, again, I keep mentioning Milwaukee and Denver, but that's when we're going to really learn a lot about this team. That's when the physicality is going to be tested, that rebounding. And it's... Uh, it is kind of concerning that the rebounding has been a problem 
in these first two games against teams. You know, Valanchunas is physical, but Houston is a small team. And outside of Valanchunas, like the Pelicans don't go that big outside of it. The Wolves gave up 21 offensive rebounds tonight. That's that's a ton. Like generating 30 turnovers is is great if you're the Wolves, right? Like 30 extra possessions. But giving back 21 of those possessions on the glass, like, I don't know. If you're going to give up that many second chances, it's just what you're profiting for in this defensive scheme. It's going to kind of, right? It's going to get negated a little bit. My final pick was over 2.0 made threes by Cat, and I'm just going to keep picking that every game until they move that lineup. It's just kind of crazy to me how Cat is not being projected to be the Wolves' most prolific three-point shooter. He is. I think we somehow still forget how good of a shooter he is. So, I, particularly against Valanciunas, if they have that up again for the next game, like Cat, Cat should be firing those at a, you know at a high clip. So, I missed the one on McDaniels, but that's still three out of four tonight. Two out of three on Wednesday's game, so I'm five and two thus far on these picks. I'm not leading you astray yet. If you want to play prize picks with me this year, again, I'm tweeting out those picks about an hour before every game this season. Do me a favor, make an account using promo code Dane. They'll hook you up with a $100 deposit bonus if you use that promo code. So yeah, download the prize pick app. Prize picks app. Uh, normally here, <clears throat> toward the end of the pod, this is where I'd be giving you my film review of the Wolves' next opponent, but the Wolves' next opponent is, again, the New Orleans Pelicans on Monday night, and this whole pod has basically been a review of them. So uh, let's let's uh, talk about what we're looking for specifically in that rematch. What I'll be looking for on Monday is whether or not the Wolves can adjust to take away Valanciunas and Ingram. Uh, both of those guys really got going in the second half tonight, particularly Ingram. I, I thought Akogi did a really good job defensively in the opener, and also in the first half tonight, he was really physical with Ingram. But then Ingram got going against Akogi in the second half. Like I, I think, I think Ingram scored all three of the first three possessions, and and Finch pulled Akogi. Akogi only played four minutes that entire those first four minutes of the third quarter, and that was it. He didn't come back into the game. And Valanciunas, you know, he's always going to be a load. I'm sure he'll be extra intentional about trying to get Cat in foul trouble again next game, and that'll be an adventure to what, everything we were just talking about. Even more so because we saw when Nas was out there on him, like. Nas can't handle Valanciunas, so it will be very important for Cat to be able to play his full complement of minutes on Monday. I just do think the Wolves are going to need to play better than they did tonight if they want to beat the Pelicans again and go to 0-3, or not 0-3, get to 3-0. and um, I wouldn't say New Orleans is like way better than how they played tonight. I don't think this is a very good team, but um, they didn't play very well tonight. Alexander Walker and Devontae Graham, they combined to shoot 3 of 23 from deep tonight. I don't think that'll happen again. Devontae Graham was one of the best spot-up shooters in the league last season. Uh, odds are, yeah, just New Orleans is going to play with more firepower on Monday. And with that, again, the Wolves' margin for error shrinks. you got to keep Cat out of foul trouble. D'Lo's got to put this bad game out of his mind. His turnovers, especially turnovers, need to go down. I don't have it in front of me right now. I think he had eight or nine turnovers. Um, and then they got to find a rhythm for Anthony Edwards, who... Or twenty some minutes into this podcast, I haven't really brought up Anthony Edwards, but he had a he had a quiet night. I mean, he still got 19, 8 of twenty two shooting. Um, I do hope that Finch and the coaching staff are intentional about pushing Ant to attack a little bit more. It's been fun to see him hit some shots. Obviously, that is a weapon in his game, but we know Ant's real weapon is his ability to attack the rim, and I would I'd love to see more of that on Monday. 
Alrighty, that's all I got for you tonight. Uh, another game on Monday, and then off to Milwaukee on Wednesday. I will talk to you all on Monday night. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com